0: This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Driven by Data, the podcast, season two, powered by Vision Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. We're delighted to bring you another season of Driven by Data, the podcast, which boasts even more data analytics and AI thought leaders from across the globe. Our aim remains the same to uncover how some of the most prominent leaders within the data analytics community tackle our industry's most trending topics, told in order to share knowledge, ideas, and experience, and just as in season one, to give back to the global data And analytics community, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, season two. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Nathan Hugenberger, who is the Chief Technology Officer and EVP at Known. So, Nathan, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Kyle. Um, so where we always start, Nathan, um, basically ask our guests to give themselves a very brief introduction into their background and journey to date, because um, I could never ever do that justice. So um, if you'd be so kind.
1: Sure, sure. Uh, I've really been you know, working at the da- intersection of data and marketing over the past 18 years or so, um, and in that time have had roles where I worked on market research, on data science, on sort of marketing analytics and um, data consulting all around that space and um, have had sort of my hands in the data and then been involved in building teams and and businesses around it. So that's been sort of my journey over the past couple of decades.
0: Very interesting. Yeah. I know um, when we spoke offline, when we were kind of setting this whole conversation up, there was a pretty interesting story around known and the size of the team that you've created and stuff. So I'm I'm kind of keen to, to get into that. So tell us a little bit about known, who you are, what the business does, you know, what it's known for, types of businesses that you yeah. work with, projects, et cetera.
1: Yeah, Known's really what we consider to be a modern marketing company. And we've brought together all the sort of relevant capabilities from research to data and strategy, a creative and media buying all under one roof all as an integrated team. And um, we really put data and sort of science and the scientific method at the core of what we do. Um, And it was the result of of the merger of a couple of different businesses, a full service creative studio uh, based out of LA, a um, consumer intelligence and data science consulting company based out of um, New York and Boston, and a brand strategy firm. And we all came together uh, in, I guess, late 2019, kind of launched the brand in early 2020. And we've had a an interesting last, uh, you know, year and a half, um, growing a ton, but also obviously, you know, uh, navigating how you do that in a pandemic world. So
0: <laughs> yeah, fun
1: absolutely. So I guess, where where
0: does your role sit within the organization? Then I guess that's always that always fascinates me when you have that that whole merger and acquisition thing that goes yeah. on right because you bring in together all of these different types of businesses that are all really good at very different things and trying to make that work and integrate yeah. is is always much easier said than done so talk us through about you know where your role sits within the organization what you're ultimately trying to achieve and kind of what that journey's been like over the last you know two two years i guess
1: sure sure so i kind of wear two hats um as the CTO, I oversee all of our technology that supports known itself, both the sort of you know sort of core i t and technology teams, as well as um, the investment we do on a software and data science you know basis to kind of power our services. Um, and I oversee what we call sort of the science practice, which is really kind of two things. Uh, we have a data science and data engineering consulting business where we're helping companies. Build out their infrastructure, build out their capabilities, um, media planning and buying business that uses data science and the scientific method to optimize how advertisers' campaigns um, work. So all that's kind of under under my purview, and you know, I think you're right. Obviously, you know, bringing together you know different businesses can be challenging, but um, there really was a, a sort of real uh, shared vision for what what the market needed and what the opportunity was to bring all these things together. And um, I think we've been really successful in, you know, creating, you know, integrated teams that work together and have sort of creative sitting next to data scientists, sharing information and sharing ideas and, and using that to sort of power power great results. So uh, it, it feels like it's working well, but, you know, integration is never done by any means. So
0: yep. Yeah, no, that makes uh, makes perfect sense. I guess the piece around creative and data and the whole scientific element of it, you know, trying to combine those three powerhouses, if you will, into something that works is is always intriguing, right? And I guess every marketing slash media slash advertising business is on that journey to try and be more data driven, of course, to allow them to make better decisions. But I guess when we talk about data science. Why is it in your opinion that it's so important to focus on that science element? Because I guess we've been probably very guilty over the years of, you know, data science is people working with data and technology, um, and kind of almost forgetting the methodologies by which they've lived, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, I think that we do think it's super critical to sort of make sure you elevate the science portion. I think one big part of it is just the importance of experimentation and the scientific method and sort of having explicit hypotheses that then you're testing, right? It's like the way you learn what works, the way you learn what's true is by kind of following that scientific method. And um, that's certainly a component of data science, but it's something that isn't necessarily always celebrated or or paid attention to. Uh, And we've been successful, you know, kind of having a focus on that, in fact, bringing in lots of former scientists who are data scientists. So like, they're really sort of wired to think that way and to be sort of you know clear on what's been proven, what hasn't been proven yet, what are we testing? And I think also like what is known, right? And I think when you're talking about, you know, being data driven, right? And you're talking about the application of data science and, and sort of the scientific method to your craft, if you're working in the marketing and advertising space, part of it needs to be, you know, sort of knowing the science of advertising and knowing the science of marketing. It's like, you know, you want to be following evidence-based approaches and knowing what's been proven or studied or or researched. So ideally, you're not limited to just what is findable in the data set that's in front of you, but you're operating knowing what, you know, what do we know about how all these things work, about how advertising, you know, marketing, and frankly, how humans work, right? And uh, that's, I think, a component of it as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I guess in terms of, You know, the whole experimentation piece, because that's, you know, something that you get, um, you know, tagged on, I guess, in certain instances, right around data science and experimentation and having the time to do some of that stuff, uh, you know, to kind of push the boundaries of what's what's possible. What are the tangible benefits of experimentation? And I guess, how can you realistically incorporate that into the day to day?
1: Yeah, we see a lot of tangible benefits from it when we're talking about experimentation in the context of advertising campaigns that we're managing for clients, for sure. Um, And, you know, one of the big elements of that is just the fact that when it comes to, say, creative, right, it's a really important part of the advertising campaign. But it's also something that people aren't necessarily all that great at judging in terms of what's going to perform well and what's not going to perform well and how it might perform when sort of in front of, you know, one audience versus another. And so the experimentation that that we bake into our process is is really about navigating that space, exploring that space and understanding, you know, what is the sort of highest performing, you know, set of and combinations of creative and, and targets on certain channels and in certain spaces. So um, it's vitally important. I mean, one of the interesting things that's sort of been, you know, discovered is that You know, when you look at, you know, what makes an effective advertising campaign, you look at all the different components that go into it, creative, you know, media planning, getting the right allocation, getting the right targeting. Um, There's been some big studies that are are out there and published by folks like Nielsen and Comscore and others. They always find that the creative is the single most important part to get right. But it's also the case that it doesn't necessarily always get the attention it deserves. And there have been some really, you know, sort of powerful um, research studies done in the academic community that show that you know the average marketer may be no better than random guessing at picking out what ad's going to work well and what's not, right? And so the experimentation that you want to build into your uh, advertising plan is really you know savvy to that fact and is helping you get around it and find out what's going to work and what's not, and not have you sort of be based on your assumptions or, or biases, right? Um, yeah so it's really critical and i think we've built it into our approach to both the planning process and the execution process so it's not so much about um needing to find the time but needing to make sure that it's logistically practical that it's feasible that you've got the ability to do all the testing you want to do because you don't want to necessarily be you know, testing thousands of ads and having to manually deal with them all. Right. So,
0: yeah. Okay. So that's interesting. Cause I guess you, you get a lot of organizations that they do experimentation, right. As, as a thing, but it's almost like a, you know, you get a day a month, right. to so go and go and work on whatever you want, go and try right. something. Right. But it sounds like you've kind of baked that into some kind of methodology that, that, that works for you guys.
1: Yeah. It's baked into our process and it's essentially what it, you know, what drives a continuously learning and evolving advertising campaign, right? Yep. Um, because you're constantly doing experimentation and you're constantly sort of, you know, evaluating what's the current sort of champion and what's the current challenger and how do you kind of keep that evolving over time? So yeah, it's a big game. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess in
0: terms of the kind of bringing it back to creative versus, data and or science, however you want to look at it. I guess that there's always that debate, right? That the, the creative element is obviously the things that typically captures attention and, you know, makes that the whole thing work. But obviously, as you've said, often it's as good as a bit of a guess, right? A gut feel, this might work. We kind of think this, the whole approach now of being, you know, data driven in inverted commas, is you know effectively trying to get us to that point where we can right well, let's create a really good piece of creative and make sure it's right person, right time, right channel, etc., etc., etc. And if you can get those two worlds to collide, that's great, right? Because I guess you know I've had people on the podcast before that have said, you know, if you can get the data slash science piece right, then you know uh, an average piece of creative will do better than having the best piece of creative that you put in front of the wrong people. You know, sounds sounds logical, right? But I guess focusing on that science piece in terms of what known does and that kind of methodology, and this is just me thinking out loud, Nathan, here, but has that allowed you to effectively kind of combat some of the, I guess, concerns that you get in this space? Because, you know, you get typical marketeers that are, reluctant let's say you know they they've never done it that way before as with any type of business domain right you know this whole data driven approach is is new for for a lot of people but you know the whole marketing media sphere is often done on the very creative people that make things look great right and in terms of working with numbers and is this the right time of the day is it on the right channel is it the right type of demographic whatever the case may be that's that's an alien concept still for for many and you get this kind of argument as to, you know, well, how do you make that work as focusing on that science piece, you know, rather than talking about data, I guess, effectively, is that kind of science methodology helps you to navigate those waters a little bit? Do you feel?
1: I think so. I think, you know, a, a few things. One is, uh, you know, the clients that we work with really, you know, believe there is a better way and want to find it. Right. And they, they believe there's a way to make their advertising more effective and perform better. And I think what resonates with them is the story of the combination of the art and the science and the creativity and the data. Right? They want to hear that you're, you know, following the data and sort of looking at what works and sort of optimizing for that. But they still want it to be all beautifully expressed, right? And to be creative and and catchy. And I don't think you have to give any of that up, right? I think what this really is is about sort of saying let's know, let's sort of identify what's known, what the science tells us so far. Let's Plan to do experimentation and to test lots of beautiful creative and learn what works really well for this audience at this time of day and what might work for that audience differently, right? And and use that. And I think critically to kind of the the point we talked about earlier, it's vital that these things not feel like they're at odds, right? Like we, uh, you know, when we think about say science and data you know, our partnership with our creative team is vital. And it's also critically important that they're calling and saying, well, which one did well? Which, like, what should we make more of? Like, tell us what the data is telling us to to do and where we should go from here. Because, you know, you wanna create beautiful, you know, uh, expressions of people's brands and beautiful campaigns, but you also want them to be effective, right? And you want it to matter. And so all these things need to come together. And I don't think there's any real, it's not an either-or thing, right? It always—I
0: always find it really interesting because it almost seems that when we're talking about data or the sphere of you know data in its entirety around a lot of the topics that we speak about, often comes down to kind of some kind of cultural change, right? To to make it work, um, and exactly what you outline there is that exact thing, right? You know, you you want your you know you don't want your data people to be saying well it's just about the data you know right. because they need to understand that the creative piece is really important but likewise it's getting those creative people to take a real interest in what the data tells them so that they can do what they do better right have you how have you managed or navigated that kind of cultural thing as that's been something that's just kind of happened naturally for known as an entity or, or is there being some, you know, management around kind of getting the two to, to kind of marry up in the middle?
1: Well, as I mentioned that there I think it was a shared vision that that was important, you know, at the beginning when um the the firms came together to found known. And um I think, you know, we had some really great experiences, you know, you know, shortly after we came together where we sort of threw those people in a room and had them work together on a common goal of, you know making certain client campaigns perform really well. So I, I think the um I think the desire is there, right? I think the sort of um you know shared values of, of wanting to you know do it a do it a better way and create you know really good performance for clients is there. And really the only work is just you know how do you as you're growing make sure you're putting in place the processes and the tools and, and really sort of the training so that people know how they're how they need to work together. Right. But it um, it's there at the core, and and I think that's that's not been sort of the the biggest challenge. I think to the earlier point you were sort of making, I think that one of the benefits of focusing on the science is that you get people, all the stakeholders, both on sort of the known side and on the on the client side, exper- excited about the idea of identifying finding what they want to experiment with and what they want to learn and what they've always wished they wished they knew but never have figured out, and so you know, benefits of, you know, not losing the science and data science is you get to capture some of that component. And frankly, in, in sort of, you know, building momentum and energy around doing more experimentation that's aligned to sort of testing these important things, what you're essentially doing is creating new data, right? You're creating data you didn't have before, Then now you get to analyze and interpret and use to make things better. So it's, it's all part of data science, but it's making sure you're not stuck with what data you had on day zero, right? So yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes makes perfect sense. I guess how was the the focus from you know on the science piece? Has that how has that affected your ability to build, you know, the team that you've built? Because I think remind me what, what's the number now? It's but it was I remember I was impressed by the number that you'd got got to in such yeah. a short amount of time
1: the The science team right now is up around like 120 people right and that's um you know a bunch of data scientists um data engineers and then also advertising and media experts and um you know we have a, a strong team of data scientists you know many of them i guess recovering academics who were using data science and machine learning in their phds who are now applying it to these interesting problems but um yeah and i, I think I think one of the uh you know one of the benefits of the sort of virtuous benefits of the focus on science is that it you know allows our people to sort of really express their full selves where they're sort of thinking about not just the sort of analysis they can be doing in python python and the various different tools at their disposal but also applying sort of the rigor of thinking about you know about that scientific method and what's known and what might still need to be tested like what assumptions are we making that we haven't really proven yet and um and how do you navigate you know the the richly complex space of marketing and advertising where you know you probably can't test everything all at once right so you have to have a real understanding of you know how much can we be testing at any one time how much can we be learning and how do you kind of peel the onion if you will and focus on, the things that'll provide the biggest bang for the buck
0: first, right? Yeah. How have you found the transition out of interest from, you know, the recovering academics as <laughs> as you called them, you know, to the, you know, commercial world, again, in inverted commas, how has how that transition been? Because I guess what I see a lot of, and, and here's probably a massive difference between the UK and the U S in my opinion on this, you know, U S absolutely loves, the PhD and people that come from that background and then can train them around the nuances of the commercials in the, the, the area which they work. That's something we see a lot less of in the UK, um, which is interesting, but how how has that transition been of bringing them people out of academia into the marketing and advertising world?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that it's easy, but we've certainly been successful doing it. I think part of it's just being really clear on, on sort of, how you're going to approach hiring and being selective right and making sure that you know even if someone hasn't been doing a lot of work in the commercial space that they've got the right sort of client facing skills consultative skills you know the context that's going to enable them to be successful and then you know obviously we have in training programs and, and things that help people come up to speed but it's equally important that that you know there's an existing set of colleagues and people they can work with who kind of help them navigate right that 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 experience, right? Um, but I think, you know, I don't know the UK marketplace uh, as well, but um it's definitely a thing that there's, you know, there are a lot of people sort of who might be completing advanced degrees in academia, but then moving into industry. And um you know it's a it's one it's one of many sources that we use to sort of find great people. Um, But I think even even outside of sort of the PhD and um, sort of former academic space, I think, in general, we lean into the idea that, you know, data science is is not just data, right? And so, you know, we ask people to sort of um, embrace all those components, whether or not they, you know, used to be a physicist or not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense. And I guess that's why I kind of I asked the question really, Nathan, because obviously people that are working in academia doing yeah. this stuff, you know, it's, it is, it's true data science to a degree, right. You know, where it's, it is, it's stats and it's, it's models and it's regression and it's, you yeah. know, etc. etc. Whereas, you know, you get people that navigate their way through the commercial world and end up as a data scientist, but they were a, I don't know, a BI developer by trade. Right. So, so all they know is, data and technology and it's uh, you know so and obviously as you know in our industry job titles are so undefined that what you call what one organization calls something doesn't doesn't necessarily translate so there's all that to contend with but that was you know just more of a curiosity piece so obviously I know the kind of you talk a lot about the importance of optimizing that creative piece right and i guess that leads into a a little bit of what we've we've spoken about but i guess for you what is the importance of that and how do you make that work
1: uh it's it's super important i think when we think about like our goal obviously is to deliver better performance for clients a big part of it is optimizing the creative not just the sort of typical media components around targeting and allocation although that's a component too um and we are we're super well-equipped to do it in that we have a studio in-house that you know has a creative team that's eager for the data and eager to evolve the the campaign based on it but it is the single most important thing we focus on and you know part of it is having that sort of plan for what you're going to test and experiment with but it's also it's also true that it's it's not easy right like you know it's not easy to test Hundreds of different creative, you know, uh, assets, and figure out what's working better. It gets more complicated when you think about the fact that you have may have multiple targets. So it's sort of a, a multiplicatively expanding problem, um, and it's not easy in the, in the sense that the the tools that the typical marketer or agency might be using doesn't make it easy. Right? You may be doing a lot of stuff manually. You know, it's it's hard to have more than just a few line items or assets running if you're stuck with mouse clicks, right? And so we've invested a lot in our uh, data platform and optimization toolkit called Skeptic that is, you know, both powering some of the decision-making around the optimization, but also helping make sure that we can do large scale rapid experimentation and everything from thinking about how do you upload thousands of line items and traffic, lots and lots of ad units when you want to do to lots of testing? To how do you make sure that all of those line items conform to all your quality standards and the brand safety metrics and all the other things that that are critical in uh, in an ad campaign and that your your client needs you to adhere to? None of that's possible without software and automation, right? And then you know, in real time, you want to be looking at results and seeing you know which of these uh, micro campaigns, if you will, which of these combinations of specific creative assets and specific targets and tactics are working better than others? And how do you, in real time, you know, optimize and move budget towards it, right? And how do you sort of evolve the campaign towards the stuff that's working better? But I think equally important and often overlooked is that uh, you need a system for learning from it, right? Because we want to sort of understand why it's performing the way it is. What about the creative and what about the targeting and the tactics is driving that better performance so that we then we can go further and make more in that way. Right. And so a critical part of all this is and critical part of sort of the, the skeptic platform is that interpretation and prediction of what will do better, right? What it's going to do even better than what you've what you've got in place now. Hmm. Um, so all that is kind of a uh, kind of gets to like, how do we think about creative optimization and why is it so important? And why is it that it can drive really great results quite quickly? Yeah. And
0: that's really interesting because I think you often, you know, I think it's quite easy to think about, okay, you've got creative on one side, they'll go and create their their creative work, right? And you've got data on the other side and, and they can start to identify, right? These are the places, the times, the demographics, the audiences, you put that piece of content, there at that right time. And, and, you know, you, you've got, you've got a a match made in heaven. I guess what you're saying is it's almost, this is going one step further and you're helping your creative team to create better creative effectively by using this platform that you've built. Okay. Right. And then, and and then the data science piece plays into, okay. Understanding why that is the case, you know, because I guess it's easy to go, well, this performed better than that one. So let's do more of that one, but it's understanding what, you know, what about that works best I, and then the data I, science the data science piece fuels the the predictions right so let's focus more on that okay
1: fine I mean- First, it the predictions. And, and the the science in there is sort of constructing these experiments so that you can know definitively why one thing's working better than another right like hmm. it's not just sort of a haphazard throwing of things against a wall and figuring out that this one's stuck but rather you've actually learned and you can say now we've learned that these things work better than those things, that this is why it's this message. It's this kind of imagery. It's this kind of call to action. And it's with these particular kinds of audiences who might be in different places in your marketing funnel. Right. Um, yeah. hmm. That's really interesting. So I guess, have you
0: noticed that this has worked better in, you know, with whether it's sectors or types of categories or campaigns, is there any kind of, you know, detail that you can share around that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think as a as a someone as a data scientist, right, and someone who comes from a scientific background, I'm I'm excited to report that this you know use of science seems to work well everywhere. Actually, right, we've seen it work well on B2B campaigns, on B2C campaigns. We've seen it work well on sort of performance oriented campaigns, on more brand oriented campaigns. So we've seen it work in in many different kinds of campaigns. Um, many different kinds of clients, and um, often it works very fast, right? It's like that that process where you're optimizing and evolving and improving. You know that the the creative and dialing in the targeting and figuring out which tactics and which channels work really well. You you often see this sort of you know sort of rapid exponential improvement where you know two months in, two and a half months in, you're way better off than you were. And you know a lot, and you've already started building the next set of creative based on what you've learned. Um, so uh I think one of the things that has us really excited about it is just that that we've seen it you know work well in all these contexts, and you know, it's it's about sort of the combination of of software and and these these scientists, these data scientists, right? Because you have to sort of make sure you're adapting it to the specifics of the campaign. You have to make sure you're identifying, well what's the right goal for this marketing campaign? Are we trying to get people to, you know, buy right now or are we trying to get them to be aware, to consider, to move along the funnel and how do we represent that in 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 a form that we can use for data optimization, you know, in this campaign given what kind of client we're working with and given what kind of um campaign we're running. But but with the sort of intelligence and sort of um, customization that the data scientists can do, we can then use this approach and use the tools at our disposal to sort of apply the scientific method at scale, right? In rapid, you know, sort of at rapid speed to each kind of campaign. Um, And and that's, and we've seen it work, like I said, in all these different contexts, so that's fun.
0: That's really interesting. So, and does this, is this, are you at a stage now where this is kind of real time? You know, are you doing this almost in real time in terms of the optimization piece and what you can make decisions on?
1: Yeah, there's, I think the way to think about it is there's sort of a few cycles, right? There's the cycles that are running in real time where there are adjustments made, you know, every hour, right, throughout the day, right? Things like reweighting of budgets between different assets can happen on the fly, right? The, the conversation that happens between a data scientist and a creative where they're looking at what works and why and coming up with new ideas, like that happens on a day or a week basis, right? So it's it's happening you know, rapidly, but not necessarily happening 80,000 times a day, right? But we sort of think about this as having concentric loops of optimization where there's stuff happening sort of at the right cadence, um, you know, throughout the process. And we're, it's all being monitored in real time, and then you're just sort of, you know, thinking about what you can adjust instantaneously and what needs to sort of happen on more human time. Nice. Nice. Okay.
0: I'd love if you could, and, and very high level, look, you're much smarter than I am. So, dumb it you know, as if you're talking to your five-year-old child, but talk, talk yeah. us through how skeptic works. Like if you think about the life cycle end to end, okay, we've well, got this problem, you know, this piece of creative, yeah. whatever you're going to do. Talk us through how how that works, if you would.
1: For sure, right? So we might come in and engage with a new client where we need to put together an advertising campaign, both the creative and the media portion and, and help it work fast better, right? Um, and and what we'll do upfront as we're using some of Skeptic's planning tools is identify, you know, given the budget that we have available, how many experiments can we be running at the, at the same time? How fast will we be learning, right? Because we don't want to, you know, start something and realize we're not going to get results for three or four or five months. That's way too long, right? So um, we, we think about how do we simulate the campaign and understand how like fast are we going to get things. We'd like to get back some results in one or two weeks that we can use to evolve the creative so that we can kind of on a weekly cycle be constantly tweaking things. So we're we're tuning this sort of experimentation and optimization plan up front, right? Using simulation tools based on historical data to um to do that. And then we, you know, develop with the client a, a plan for figuring out what, what elements of creative arena test, right? Based on their historical performance, based on what data they have, based on what we know, you know, what does it make sense to explore in terms of messaging, in terms of imagery, in terms of, um, you know, calls to actions, in terms of sequencing of messages, right? And those are built into the plan and that sort of drives what, what the initial sort of batch of new creative that's created and that's what's sort of programmed into Skeptic. And that's what it's using to sort of monitor in real time once we've launched the results of the creative and we're sort of then hence we've we've got an understanding of what experiments we're running and we can look at in real time and do the analysis to sort of decomposing the why behind the performance we're seeing. So Skeptic once we've launched is automatically shifting budget to the high performing micro campaigns high-performing assets it's sort of adjusting its best bets based on what it sees happening sort of on on the poker table if you will right but we've also structured it so behind the scenes we can be looking at our dashboards and seeing you know all the different things we wanted to test of the the different hypotheses what's proving to be true and that then drives a couple things it drives a conversation internally where we're talking about what new creative we can do but it's also a conversation with the client right and i i spoke about the fact that like the know the clients certainly want better performance, but I would also say they're oftentimes very excited to sort of get these questions answered and learn along the way. And so it's very much an open, sort of transparent journey around like what are we seeing in the data? Um and then that just continues happening, right? There's a constant, constant sort of process where you're thinking about, you know, what has the data told you so far creatively and also around targeting and and channels and allocation and what are you testing next?
0: What's what's the appetite out of interest like from your clients when you turn around and say, well, here's what we're going to do and we're going to experiment, you know, quickly to make sure that we get we get to the wins as quickly as possible, which makes sense, right? But I guess the reason he asked the question is often, you know, most marketing/slash media businesses, they'll go and engage with a client, they'll get a brief and it's like we want this delivered and that's it, right? Go away and 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 do it type of thing. And I, I guess that must be slightly unusual, I'd have thought, for for someone like yourself to be signed for another client said, right, we're going to, you know, optimize by experimenting. And that's the kind of first port of call really. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, I think to a certain extent, there may be some selection bias and that the clients we're working with are the ones that this resonated with, right. <laughs> yeah, as an approach, okay. For sure. Yeah. But, but I think, um, you know, a, a lot of times the way we sort of structure these things is where we can say, look, you know, you, you, you believe it, but want to see the results. We know we can make it happen let's go do this for a few months and show you what's possible right and so because the because these results because the improvement in performance that we see comes so quickly right this is not a thing where we're asking you to have sort of faith that like two years from now things will be better <laughs> it's more just like let's set this up so that you know give it a month to sort of settle in and start working but you're going to see stuff fast right um and i think you know there are certainly there may be some marketers who have struggled to to make anything to make any changes because they're afraid to you know maybe to do that and, and that this might not be the greatest you know approach for them but uh it, it has not been difficult um to you know get people excited about kind of doing this experimentation and, and finding how much better things can be you know a couple months down the road just by doing it so
0: yeah yeah now that makes um that makes perfect sense i guess in terms of skeptic as a product, if you kind of want to call it that, which is effectively, obviously, what you what you've built is is this kind of available just through your consulting? Is this just an internal tool you use, or is there, you know, uh, can, could clients theoretically come to you and say, you know, could, could we purchase this off you, for example?
1: We think it's really critical to have it be a combination of technology and people, right? Like the, the role of the buyer scientist of the data scientist in this process is key to sort of getting the attribution right and customized to the client's needs, tuning it, interpreting the optimization results and, and tuning it. So um, it's really a, a, a yes and. It's a, it's you're getting you know, known knowns people, our creative team and our, our data science team and skeptic. And there are... There's certainly you know client-facing components of Skeptic where you know you can see what your results are, you're logging into dashboards, but um, you know, this is just like we're getting the sort of the power of art and science here together, you're getting the power of software and people here. It's not just robots that supposedly already know all the answers. So
0: <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I guess as we try and bring all this together then, Nathan, and, and wrap this up, are, are there any use cases which you can kind of share. I guess from a high level, you know, so we don't need to know names and you know tangible numbers and stuff. But I guess in terms of tangible wins, you know, time frames and what people have seen, what what those results were, stuff like that.
1: For sure. For sure. Um like I said, we 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 have a, a bunch of them. Um I can think of examples where, you know, in healthcare, we took over an advertising campaign for a major hospital group. Within two months, we had lowered their cost per acquisition by fifty percent, five zero. That's huge. Right? Like these are these are big results. Um, another campaign we took over for a big B two B wholesale online marketplace. Uh, again, in less than three months, we lowered their cost for uh, new leads, which was the goal of the campaign, by sixty five percent. We have examples where we are running a, a, a branding campaign for um, a, a home a smart home security company. And the, the branding in our testing has shown that we're lifting sales by 44% relative to you know, what was being done before. So we have we have lots of success stories and like I said, it, it you know, the optimization continues forever. But you oftentimes see huge wins in two to three months and that's why it it it, uh it's been very sort of easy to get people to get excited about let's go try this out we want to you know we want to see what what results you can you can create and and what we can learn along the way and how that can sort of make us better marketers frankly um using that data and those insights
0: yeah well, it's no
1: surprise, I guess, when you've got
0: case studies like that to reference and those types of figures that, you know, I guess it's, it's easy to, uh, to get people excited about that, about that journey. Right. Yeah. Which is, uh, which, yeah, very interesting. Um, so yeah, well, well done, I guess. Um, in terms of how people might be able to reach you then Nathan, because what we always like to do is to try and yeah. end the podcast by, you know, basically giving our audience if they want to reach out, you know, whether that's anything that they've heard today that they wanted to pick your brain about, or maybe they're interested in working with known or they want to know more about skeptic or whatever the case may be, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: I mean, the best way is to, you know, you can hit us on our website, which is .is. www.known.is. You can uh, find our, our email links there, which is hello at known.is, or you can hit me on Nathan H at known.is. So fine fine you don't have nathan. to spell my last name it's easy <laughs> i nearly got it
0: wrong on the uh the pronunciation so um so yeah but look nathan absolute pleasure thank you very much for talking to us fascinating conversation um, right. and yeah you guys have been uh obviously done done really well and um yeah look forward to seeing where you uh kind of where you continue to get to thank you for having me on it's been a pleasure that's it for this episode of driven by data the podcast i hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, please follow our group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week.